Choo-choo, Mother Lickers. That's the sound of the Darren Nickel Express pulling into the station. He cannot stop scoring at the moment, while Mali FC and Subiaka couldn't start in the women's curtain razor on Friday night. WA football means start a fashion shoot. Their butts and bow ties can't dash on my mother's birthday, no less. Happy birthday, Diane. Welcome to the Perth Football Podcast. Okay, welcome back to the Perth Football Podcast. Producer Kalichi, how many episodes is this now? Four, one, two, three, four. This is the fourth one. Uh, welcome. We've got a, I don't want to call it the A-team because I don't want to uh, upset anyone that's not here, but I'd like to say this is the A-team. Alex Navatsis. Good evening. How are you, mate? Good to see you. I'm very good. Just try it. How you doing, Sean? Lovely to see you once again. I'm, I'm well. How are you? I am absolutely sensational. Long day of work, but it's great to be able to talk football at the end of it. And if you heard that tapping on the table, that's the man I just told don't tap on the table when we start <laughs> recording. That's Nigel Schumer. Nigel, how are you? Apart from being a rule-breaking, blacked-out Air Force-wearing young man. Very good. Excited to be back, boys. Uh, so, Kaliji tells me that the blacked-out Air Forces are the sign of uh, a troubled youth, a, a, a man you can't trust. Um I want you to just do, keep your distance, speak directly <laughs> into the microphone, and defend people that that wear these shoes. No stress, no stress. You know, no, but what is it? Is it not true? It's not true. Okay, well, that, it's just <laughs> he's just going with facts. He, he, he's fair enough. I I trust you. I don't trust the shoes. Uh, we do want to start with uh, we like to represent the women's game. That's part of the, what we're doing here, and I think it's also important that we talk about the important women in our lives. And as I mentioned, it is our mother, my our mothers. <laughs> She's kind of a mother to all of us, uh, but my mother's birthday. So, uh, any, everyone want to say happy birthday to Diane Fry? Happy birthday, Mum. Happy birthday, Diane. Happy birthday, Diane. Yeah. So there we go. That's out the way now. Now we can. Hey, hang on. We've got one extra person not in here, but here in spirit and in soul uh, over the uh, phone line. Tommy Dolman. Good evening, guys. How are we? <laughs> yeah, we're good. How are you? You caught that curtain raiser, the Friday night kickoff match to the season. Uh, it didn't quite reach the heights we were hoping, did it? No, not quite. Uh, certainly not in terms of the goal scored column anyway. Uh, I, I suppose I should just come out straight out and say it, that it was a goalless draw between Murdoch University, Melville and, and Subiaco on, on Friday night. Um, two very changed teams from last season, I think it's fair to say, in terms of not, not just the, the playing personnel, but also the coaching um, staff in the dugout as well. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't through necessarily a lack of trying. There, there were plenty of chances in, in the game. Um, I, I know Kalichi was, was there at the game with me watching it, but there was just that little bit of a lack of final of, of quality in the final third, and, and neither team really had that punch to, to, to get the goal that won the game. Well, Subiaco in particular had a couple of big chances. Obviously, they, they were a team that struggled last year to, to put the ball into the net and... Uh, and to keep the ball out of their own net, um, playing against the treble winners who have, are obviously much changed this year, as it is in the men's game as well, obviously with uh, Perth Soccer Club. Uh, but but Subi really had their chances, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, they, they were almost unrecognisable from last season. They had two strikers up front in Frankie Murray and Phoenix Brownlee, who... I believe they were both signed from, well, they were ECU Jungleops uh, State League women's team last season. Obviously, they've since become Perth Red Star, um, obviously as part of that merger, I'm assuming. But, um, yeah, they've, they've joined Subiaco, and they were quite lively up top. Um, Greg Farrell, who was the new coach there, he, he played with, with a very sort of defined two up top. And, and I think that, um, that that always had a young Mum FC team just on, on the back foot. And as a result, they did get plenty of chances in that game. But... Um, Young, young Samantha Mathers, who, who normally plays on the wing, uh, obviously played in goal. Yeah, and we saw did a that. really good job to, to get her gloves on a couple of chances. Um, some of that was just through good positioning and otherwise, and some of it was a little bit of luck too. But look, she keeps a clean sheet, and, and Mum FC got a point at the start of the season, despite Subi probably having the better of the chances, particularly late on. Now, one other thing, I want to throw this open to the room and, and have a bit of a chat about this. Uh, players, when they're playing in a really good team, a really stacked team, that get uh, relegated either to left back or right back. Uh, and then when they sort of, if they go down or play in a worse team, they get go further and further forward. Uh, Poppy Hooks uh, was, he played fullback for Mum FC last year. And now that the team is, is in a bit more need of creativity, she's gone into midfield. Do any of you have any, any personal stories about any of those sorts of players, Alex? I think myself, I was lucky enough right, to... This is uh, what we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> 97 it was when we won the... the 
the treble back at Florida. 1997? 1997, yeah, absolutely. Scary as it sounds. And, um, yeah, started as a left midfielder and had players, John Carboni's and James Afkos's coming through. And it was either left back or, or sit on the bench and get splinters. So, yeah, it was. It's, it's always... You always have the experienced players, but once they go, they do move those with that experience into into midfield roles, either left or centre. So the same thing that's happened with Poppy. Well, I know personally I'm, we're going way down the levels here, down to a really, really amateur football, but I think it was Div, Div 4 Sunday amateurs I used to play. Uh, centre-back for the first team when I when I got a game. Uh, defensive midfielder for the reserves and then socials I'd play striker. Uh, Josh, anything similar? Yeah, look, I was a goalkeeper when I was younger, and then I moved. That's to, starting right at the back, isn't it? And then I moved to Kalgoorlie. I moved to Kalgoorlie to go play a bit of football out there, where there's four clubs who play each other five times a year. We might touch a bit on Kalgoorlie later today <laughs> in the podcast, actually. But um, I moved into centre back, and then back into goals, and then out to right back. And I've sort of surreptitiously moved myself further out the pitch uh, each time I've come across a coach who doesn't know me. So they're like, "What do you? What do you play?" I'm, like, oh, I'm a six. Next club will be a 10. Then eventually, by the time I'm like 35 or 36, I'll be a striker. So the less mobile I get, the further up the pitch. I'm Who knows get. what level that's going to be at, though. I, I will say point. something about Poppy Hooks, though. Um, I do think... So she was with the Perth Glory squad uh, over the summer. She actually did play mostly in midfield um, when she was playing for the Perth Glory W League team. So, you know, potentially she may have been in a position like that. Otherwise, she was obviously being being kept out from those positions by some pretty strong players um, in the side. And she's very young still as well. It's something you've got to remember. I think she may have won uh, like the reserves best and fairest as a 14-year-old or something a few years ago in the women's competition. Um, you know, and you do get those situations like uh, this is going way up the level compared to um, you're going way down the level, Sean. But uh, uh, Gareth Bale right. obviously started out as a left-back got moved up into the left wing position and eventually ended up playing wherever he wanted. For our mate Andy Barrett will say that was at the absolute top, top, top level when he was playing fullback, though, as uh, our producer Kalichi will know it, Southampton. Um, but, yeah, the, it's a, he's a very good example at, at that top level. Poppy Hooks, though, uh, uh, do you have anything to say about her, Tommy? Because every time I've watched her, she has been, even, even when she was playing at fullback, she's a, a really, really talented footballer, and you can tell those uh, players with that technical ability just, just by watching him for, for a couple of minutes, and she really is one of those, isn't she? She is. She she was the she was the standout player on the pitch um, until she um, went off with with injury, unfortunately, around about sort of fifteen to twenty minutes left in the game. Not a hundred percent sure uh, what what she came off with, um, but yeah, she she was just all action. The thing I like about Poppy as well, and, and we saw little glimpses of it as well in the um, in the A League Women's competition as well, is she plays with a little bit of an edge. And she and she's not scared to to snap into the tackle. She's not scared to pick up the ball and run with it. And and she she just has a real sort of confidence about her game. So, yeah, she she was she was probably the outstanding performer on the night. And I thought Charlie Wainwright as well, also alongside her in midfield too. Um, she she's very much the the, the senior um, player in that team now, which is which is quite a remarkable thing to mm. say about Charlie because um, she was very much. One of the youngsters, um, and she last season, and she was holding now that number ten role alongside, oh goodness me, the likes of Grace Bessie, Sadie Lawrence, um, Mariana Tavain, Kat Yuki, Shelley Lamont, um, all these just the who's who of WA women's football was, was keeping some of those players on the bench because she was just um, deemed to be the best fit in the team. So yeah, hopefully we'll see her kick on again um, or continue to kick on this season. Also, I thought she was excellent. You mentioned the fact that uh, she likes to snap into a tackle. She is the leading naughty girl, or she was, after 53 minutes uh, of the season. She did pick up the yellow. Deserved yellow, did you think, Tommy? Oh, I, I actually can't remember it now. That's the first I'm, time we've ever I'm got so, one I'm, past Tommy, boys. Crack the champagne. I'm, I'm sorry to say. No, that's all good. Uh, if we run through the other results, we, uh, we'll get to the naughty girls and all that later. The Perth Red Star, uh, first game under that new banner, a massive... 5-0 win, and I think you, Josh, you caught a bit of that one. Yeah, I did catch a bit of that game. Uh, to be honest, um, I think by the time that uh, I was watching, it was largely over. Um, it was uh, a, a bit of a procession uh, towards the end. I think the NTC girls uh, started to get a little bit tired towards the end of the game. Red Star were good without looking all that uh, fluent or all that fluid with the ball, I thought. 
Um, but I think they'd be very happy to start off the season with a 5 nil win. You probably can't do much better than that. You mentioned that uh, you had uh, a player in particular you had your eye on. And uh, tell us a bit more about her. Yeah, so this is a, a player who's moved up from Kalgoorlie uh, last year to Nikolala. So back when I was um, working with uh, Football West in Kalgoorlie, I coached her uh, a little bit uh, through the, the talent support program there. And Tanika is uh, an absolutely outstanding footballer. She's an absolute beast, and you actually saw that a bit. She came off the bench on the weekend. Uh, she's the first player from Kalgoorlie to make it into the Hyundai NTC program as, as a full-time player, which is just an absolutely outstanding achievement. I know we touched on the regional players coming through into the NTC program last week. Uh, I know her dad. He's enormously proud. He's really helped her along with her football career. I think she's gone to – she went to Country Week and won – uh, the best and fairest at country, which is the big camp or, or the big tournament for country kids at the end of the year. Uh, she won the best and fairest every year from when she was 14 up to when she was 17. I think we can all agree that the support that women's football is starting to get is really showing through the ranks. I mean, I think we talked about 10 years ago, the Australian team not ha even having a goalkeeping coach, uh, which was is just that sort of level of support that wasn't there is really holding them back. Whereas now... We're finding these girls that have had the support, that, that have been, and you know we're going to talk about it a bit later on, but when it gets to European football, but there was 92,000 almost people down to watch the, the Barcelona women's game, which I think is just fantastic. Now, this has just clicked for me, producer Kalichi. Uh, Robbie Anderson, uh, our, our good mate who does all the social media stuff for Football West, um, his sister, she's the first leading contender for the Naughty Girl of the Year. He had that red card. We'll get to that. That we, we, we will have that segment. Um, did anyone else catch any of the other games? We'll just go through the scores. Uh, as, as we'll say with the men's as well, we, we don't catch all the games. Kalichi works 80 hours a week and Josh is out doing all of his um, uh, coaching. I don't know what Alex does in his spare time. <laughs> Smokes gas. Probably, yeah. And, and Nigel's a busy man. So <laughs> we won't get every game, but the games that we watch, we'll, we'll talk through uh, in, in greater detail, but Perth Soccer Club got off to a 2-0 win against Balcata Etna, which is a great result for Perth, considering Balcata's uh, pre-season. They were very strong, obviously made the, the night series final, and Fremantle City, no surprise there, uh, got a 2-0 win. And you were saying, Alex, that uh, Kat Jukic got a, got a bit of time there. I believe, yeah, she, she got some time. Um, I think with Gary Church at the helm now, um, I think that they'll be a team to uh, reckon with. They're, they're going to get some... Uh, additional players so hopefully in the not too distant future so they're, they're and they've got some promising young girls coming through as well so I think Gary's uh, definitely got them in the right position for sure. Now before we move on with the podcast it's it's not because I'm sick of your voice Alex it's not you Josh it's definitely not you Nigel because you haven't said much yet but we'll get more <laughs> in in part two uh, but we need a, a few more female voices in the studio I think so if you are listening if you know some uh, girls some women or whatever uh, coaches, players that, that want to jump on. I know we've got Libby Caldwell, one of the, the top referees. We'll, we'll talk a bit about her later on. Uh, Alex, um, whoever wants to jump on, give us a call. Send us a message to the Perth the Football Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you uh, do your social media ring. Uh, and that goes for anyone, really. Um, jump on. Get Also, also like, subscribe, wherever you do your podcast. That's all important. Give your ratings. We'll read you out in the mailbag section later on. That'll do us for part one, guys. Uh, we will be back shortly for part two to discuss uh, Kalichi's pick for top goal scorer, Daryl Nickel and his constant goal scoring ways uh, in part two. And we're back. Perth Football Podcast part two. We're going to dive in to the NPL men's competition. A few big wins, particularly for uh, producer Kalichi and my uh, title picks, Floriot and Bayswater. Uh, but Tommy, you were down before we let you go. I know you've got a busy Monday evening ahead, but you were down at Sorrento Gwellup. Do you want to just rush over that one before you uh, take off? Yes, I got a, a late call up to go over Percy Doll Reserve, and I must admit it was a lot warmer down, uh, over there than I thought it was going to be. I bought the jacket, I didn't even use it. So, uh, well, that, that was good from a footballing perspective, I suppose, um, that we didn't have any sort of absurd conditions to contend with on Windy Hill. But um, look, it was a pretty. It was a pretty run-of-the-mill sort of win for Sorrento. They won by two goals to nil, two second-half goals from from Joe Tweets um, and then from Zachariah Dabbs as well, who scored his uh, first senior NPL goal. So 
Um, good to see a couple of the, the, the sort of lesser known scorers getting on the score sheet for Sorrento. That sort of bodes well for their sort of conquest to find a few more goals from different positions last year. They're quite a well-spread team anyway in terms of their output. So that's only a good thing for Trevor Morgan. And, and they played okay, but they didn't have to play too well against a, against a Gwellup team who they tried really hard and they had a lot of sort of good um, spells in the game, but they never really truly tested um, the, the goalkeeper uh, for Sorrento, Patrick Hughes. I don't think he had to make a really notable save. He had to make a couple from shots that were on target, but nothing that truly tested him. And um, I suppose from Gwalp's perspective, it was probably unfortunate on their part in the best spell of the game that they were having in that period early in the second half, Sorrento went up the other end and, and obviously opened the scoring when Morgan crossed for tweets at the back post. So, look, a, um, a good result for Sorrento. They're two from two now. Um, their home form was a, a very... Um, I know they lost there in the top four cup semi-final of the glory in the postseason, but their home form was a, was a big reason why they got to the top four last season and they've started with two wins on the bounce here, albeit only against Armadale and Gwellup, but and bigger tests are to come, but it's still a very positive start for them. Well, I hope you're wearing your leather pants so you don't get any uh, splinters in your backside, Tommy, but get ready to sit on the fence as you always do. There are a few penalty shouts in that game. Uh, go for your life. Talk about them. Four. I mean, there was I mean, there was a few shouts that Gwellup had, um, certainly. Um, obviously, in the position we were at, at the time, it was very hard to call live on the stream. There was a couple of replays that I did manage to catch after the game. There was probably one... Um, which looked like a handball, which was which was possibly there, but then obviously it all happened so fast and in real time. And, and and as Alex will know, the referee only has a split second to make these sorts of decisions. So look, there was a couple of um, shouts that were, were there, um, and Gwellup may feel aggrieved that they didn't possibly have a route back into the game. But at the end of the day, I think Sorrento just had a bit more solidity, and they were more efficient on the day. And 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 that's that's. That's what you've got to do, particularly early on in the season as well. You know, like I think it's something we've not really addressed yet. But when with with the COVID postponements and things like that, there's going to be a backlog of midweek fixtures, particularly when the Australian Cup gets a bit further into the season. So, sorry, so Tommy. Think, Alex Tommy, is just dying to jump on. I just you need here. to I just need to say, listen, we've got a level four referee course coming up. The the one excuse we use is we've got different angles. So. You know, we, we cannot, we've only got a split second and the angle was different to where you are. So I think you've done really well to sit on that fence without getting a splinter because that was just horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. <laughs> throw, it, throw in the different angles next time, uh, Tommy. Um, it, it, we, do, we do need to move, move it along. Is there anything else you wanted to, to point out from any of the other action that you caught before you uh, yeah, get on with that Monday no, evening? No, no, all good. I'll leave you boys to, to carry on with the rest of the NPL. All right. You're an absolute legend, Tommy. Thank you so much for joining us. We will uh, carry on. No worries. See you, fellas. See you, mate. See you, mate. Well, I hear there were some very uh, well-behaved coaches on the sideline uh, in that game as well. Anything you want to touch on there, Alex? Yeah. Uh, I think I think we've had our first red from uh, the technical area, which I think was uh, at, at the same match, uh, Gwalup. And as Tommy was just uh, talking about uh, in terms of the shouts, I think Tommy needs to grow a pair and say, yes, it was a penalty that sh- wasn't given. <laughs> um, and I think, as he said, it sort of was the, the tide that turned and um, obviously had said something um, and was sent from the technical area. Um, so he'll, he obviously won't be able to coach this week. Um, but, yeah, so he was – do we count the coaches as naughty boys? Uh, well, Glitchy's nodding his head. They yeah. are naughty boys. Well, they well, are he, naughty boys. They do need it. I think Mitch will now be in front because he's got one red and two yellows because he also coaches the 18. So he, that's, that's a magnificent effort there. You'd, yeah. you'd think at some point you'd learn your lesson, wouldn't you? But I thought it'd be Jamie Arnwell. Some people. Arnwell esque. Might have to say that. <laughs> well, let's not let's not let's not take shots at the top, mate. We'll uh, we'll have a uh, hellfire raining down on us. Uh, we had a few other games. Uh, Nigel, you were down at some action on the weekend. Uh, yes, I was at the Bayswater game alongside Kalichi and Josh. Um, Bayswater came out 4-1 winners, two goals from Devin Smith and two goals from Dumba, and it was just a phenomenal display of football from Bayswater. Uh, Dumba's a player that you particularly like uh, and, and know. Well, yeah. what, what, t- tell us about his performance. It's sensational, wasn't he, on the weekend? Yeah, man, once again, he's just doing what he knows best. Um, we had a conversation with him after the game, and he was telling us about what he's trying to work on this season, what he's doing best. And we really saw this guy just go. He can receive the ball from his midfielders, hold the ball up, and he can also go in behind. So 
is very good as a striker's perspective to be able to do both things, keep your defenders guessing, and Dumba did that very well. Um, we also saw um, a lot of squad-like rotation in the squad with Bayswater. We saw different players play different positions. We saw Costas, who's a centre mid usually, play on the wing. We saw um, Zaid Farah, who's usually the right back, playing the midfield. So from a player's perspective side, it's, it's very, um, that's what I'm looking for. It's very rewarding when a coach has faith in you to play different multiple positions. And yeah, just once again, Bayswater did a very good job, got the result. Yeah, did very well. Bayswater had a lot to deal with from that perspective. They were without their, their coach as well. Gareth Navin was away. John Wormsley obviously did a very good job. They came out with a 4-1 win. Um, Dumba Mikechi, that second goal he scored, and it was a really important time. It was when Coburn were just getting a bit of a head of steam. Made it 3-1. It could have gotten dangerous if, uh, if Bayswater let them come forward and get another goal or two. But, uh, but Dumba Dumbakechi just just sat a man down, yeah. right in front of the goals. Uh, calm with the finish, even if it did take a deflection, similar to the goal uh, Pedri went and scored for Barcelona against Sevilla yeah. as well. That's high praise. <laughs> that was a not bad. hell of a goal that one. No, yeah. Dumbakechi uh, did it first. So uh, we we go. had a we've we've got a little bit of a controversy in round three as well. Armadale Perth Soccer Club got called off. Uh, COVID cases. Now we've seen this around the European leagues. We've seen. Uh, uh, Arsenal probably doing it one week and then uh, we've seen Arsenal complaining about it the next week. It's happened around the world. Uh, COVID-related, uh, four or five players out. Alex, as you understand the rules at the moment relating to COVID, what are they exactly? Yeah, so they have, for, for them to postpone a fixture, there has to be five players on the roster that has COVID. So, and, uh, and the roster means? The PPS, so for the first team, the list of 23 okay. um, that have got COVID. Um, again, it's to the determination of Football West to make a decision um, on that one. Um, so, yeah, in terms of that, I think, yeah, Armadale had the issue. I think we've had a couple of clubs, Sterling as well. Sterling back had a game, was called off. Oh, we've, had, we've had plenty of games called off, and I think the, the issue is, uh, so from Perth's point of view, and again, the, this is where there are two sides of this, Perth have a massive club with a massive youth structure and a lot of players that can fill in if, if players are out for them. So so maybe if they do have players out, it, it wouldn't impact them as much. So they're more likely to want games to carry on. Whereas Armadale, they fulfilled their under-18s. They played their under-20s. And then the first team... But yeah. if, if there's five players on that list of 23 that are out, I don't know, my, what can they do? My personal opinion on this one is that I think this is where we need to follow what other sports have done and you just fill up. So if, if, if it means that a 20s player is going to be playing first team, great. That's, that's even a better opportunity for these players to develop. I mean, end of the day, we want players playing at the highest level as possible. And if that means that the 20s players have to move up and then, lo and behold, the 18s all come up and you postpone an 18s game, I don't have an issue with that. Because at least then you're fulfilling the, the top end. Similar to the AFL doing it as well. West Coast Eagles are absolutely yeah. getting hammered. And I don't yeah. want to talk about AFL. Yeah. But it's something that needs... I mean, again, it's, it's in the competition rules. So they've done... The clubs have done nothing wrong. They're just following what, what it states. Well, as a West Coast Eagles fan, I don't want to talk about AFL at all either at the moment, Alex. So that's good. We're all on the same page there. Uh, Perth Red Star, Inglewood United. Did anyone catch any of this game? Kalichi's uh, man, Daryl Nickel. Did he get he, just the one? Or the, or the two this week, just the one. Uh, so he's, he's let his standard slip, but he's well clear in the in the race for the golden boot. We can say it now. Uh, Robert Petkov, I think, only got uh, one last week. And uh, these are the sort of stats we should be looking up before the broadcast. Uh, but on the weekend, yeah, he, he didn't didn't get any uh, own goal from uh, Walsh and uh, one from Chris Soldaris oh, from the penalty spot. I'm a bit annoyed that your man gets to take penalties and, and mine doesn't. And Bailey Brown Montgomery with a three for them, uh, but Perth Star, uh, Perth Red Star rather. It's got, it's got it so hard to get used to saying that name, isn't it? But they were two 0 winners, and I, I was down actually talking uh, to the president of Florida Athena, and he was telling me Sean McManus is out for ten weeks, uh, which is a, a huge blow for them. Um, and this is probably probably the the what we should discuss for the remainder of our time talking about the men's NPL because Florida. Uh, they're my pick for the league, but historically, last few years, incredible chokers, aren't they? It's not just been the past few years. I remember doing it a few years at that <laughs> club as well. So it's not, not news of that club, but I think you, you mentioned the president, Florian Con, 
who uh, has turned that club right around. Yeah. He's one of the and greats. And of if the you game ever and want to talk about uh, football, I've known Con <laughs> since the age of seven, so I think I've had my. And I'd literally got off the phone to him before I got here as well. So he, he will talk to these people yeah. in the face about this great game we love. Loves it, absolutely loves it. But um, yeah, just on that game, I think uh, we spoke about it. I don't know if you want to talk about it now or the, I mean, absolutely go for it. Yeah, so I, I managed to, to watch the game, and, and we talk about game-changing decisions. We talk about players that make a difference and then you talk about a red card in the seventh minute. Um, it's difficult. And and I felt for, for the glory captain at the time, a really, really young glory side uh, with, with Jacob being, uh, with Muir being sent off. So the, the question here is, as a referee, uh, as a man who's copped all the abuse in the world uh, and quite likes to take it under his stride um, or in his stride, the question here is a really early moment of a game uh, just talk us through the difficulties of you know this decision changes a game. Particularly, and I know this probably shouldn't factor into it, but I, it probably does, uh, with with a young side, with a lot of kids. Uh, it's a decision that if you're not 100, 100% sure of... Yeah, you, we talk about downgrading. Yep. And it's something that referees don't like to talk outside of the, the purple circle um, of downgrading. So if it's if it's... An orange, we, we, we talk, and there's red, yellow that we see day in, day out, but there's an orange where we go, oh, it could be a red, could be a, we, we tend to downgrade. But in terms of this one, if it's a foul, it's a red. It was pretty pretty easy. But you talk about a seventh-minute red card. As a referee, you know now you've changed the game because they're going to have to play the next 83 to 87 minutes with additional, um, with, with down to 10. And, and it made a difference in the end with, uh, with, with them running out of legs. I mean, Glory equalised with, uh, well, Sildara scored a penalty. Uh, not long after, with Aidan Edwards equalising half-time, going in at one all, and then it just changed the game when, when they come back out with 10 again and um, ended up uh, losing losing 3-1. Yeah, so I, I, I find this so interesting, and I find these these decisions so interesting, uh, where, where you can say... I mean, we, we were speaking about it before, and you said, it is a red card, it is a foul. Yeah. But you're saying you, you don't want to give it. You want to oh, find a reason to yeah. that, that maybe you can hang your hat on to say it wasn't? For, for me, you, you always want to finish the game 11 v 11. You, you don't want to send players off if you're not 100,000% sure that it's a red. It's really tough. And, and I think that's that's one of the things as a referee you try to do. You do look at the incident. If it's if in that situation, if he's going to give a foul, he's going to have to send him off. You look at it and you go, okay, well, is there any doubt? You can't. You've got to make sure there's no doubt. Um, in, in, in this, especially when it's there and what you're about to do. Um, and, and the way, if you watch the replay of the game and you see how long it took the referee to actually not just call the free kick, but then also then going, right, I'm going to have to make a really big decision here. Um, and it changed the game totally. And, and you were also saying that you've got your assistant and this is yeah. what you don't hear, what you don't yeah, see and course. what you don't hear as a fan or as a, as a commentator or whoever else in the game. You've got an assistant in your ear saying, this yeah, is, yeah. if you've got them saying, it's a foul, it's a foul, it's yeah, a foul, 100%. What, what do you do? It's, so it's, it's never just on the man in the middle. No, the 100%. Whistle, See, in that, in that situation, it's good because you've got the assistant referee that's got a different angle to it, who in his ear could be saying, foul, foul, red, red. Um, at least then it's, it, it could then help make his mind up because he could be 95% sure, yeah, it's a foul, red, but if he's then backing you, you, you go with it. Yeah, and it's I, it's just it's such an impossible position because I can tell you're basically saying he's right, but you still don't want to give you, it. You don't want to. You and, don't. I hate sending players. And they're not giving the it. You can means do. you're making the wrong decision. Yeah. Which means, and and as we all know, if you make it decision one way, you're gonna have eleven people yelling at you plus oh. X, plus extra in the uh, in the peanut gallery on the sidelines. And if you don't, if you do give it or you don't give it, it doesn't yeah. matter. Oh, you got. And he was in. It was in a position where if he didn't give it, he's gonna have the flurry at players bench. And I tell you what, the Florida supporters aren't the greatest either to me, especially. Um, <laughs> I've when, heard when some of that. Crack, yeah, I've heard some of that. When they're having a crack, but that's the hard bit. It's you're going to make a decision. Fifty percent are going to be happy with it. Fifty percent aren't. So you're in a you know a position where you're just in trouble in terms of uh, abuse. I find if I find if you don't date people's daughters, they give you a little bit more leeway. But we won't get onto that, uh, Josh. You, you want to feel confident yourself as well that you've made the right decision, don't you? Because we spoke about the even opera last week and, and how much we hate it. But mm. um, you know, you do get those doubts start to creep in. You know, did I make the right decision there? Don't you? I think with with this particular referee, so Stephen Gregory's probably the, got more experience than uh, Eddie Lenny at, at state level. Um, so you, you know if he's going to make a decision, it's going to be one that he's 100% confident with. Whereas you have another one that comes in, 
um, that hasn't had as much experience at that level or, or, or starting to make his ground, he'll have a bit more doubt. Um, you start to no feel doubt. the pressure. Yeah, yeah, you'll feel it. And, and especially that early, you just know that the game has now changed. Yeah, and Nigel, you, you're probably the, the player in this room, apart from maybe uh, Kalichi, who's not on the mic tonight, that's played at the, the highest level. When you do get that red card, uh, Alex is talking about game-changing decisions, you do get that red card six or seven minutes in, what does that do to you as a player and as a team? Uh, it just depends on the situation, man. Because sometimes as a player, you can be honest with yourself. Is it a red card or is it not a red card? I had a situation about two years ago. We were playing against Bakara. We were four new up in the first 10 minutes. And I happened to be one-on-one with um, one of the Bakara strikers. And what the, what the striker had done is kick the ball into my hand. I felt like I, it was not a red, but it was given a straight red. As a player, it did, it did um, knock down a lot of confidence, but... It's just one of those ones. It's just a personal decision because you, you know as a player deep down if it's a red or if it's not. But when you get given a red card, when it's not, you just lost down a lot of confidence. So that's from the perspective of the, the player getting sent off. What about yeah. when, you, when you're left on the pitch and you know you've got another 80 minutes left to play with, yeah, with 10 men? It's just more of just, it's, a, it's the mental thing. It's the mental thing. It's, on the, it's more from the mental side because you, now you need to adjust to play with 10 men. You've got to do it for a whole another 80 minutes. So... It's just more of the mental side of the game. But if you do well with the team, you know how to set up. You've trained this, you've trained this in these situations in football games and training. You should do it right. Yeah, well, that's uh, all very interesting, Chad. I absolutely uh, love getting into the, the refereeing discussion, especially when we can dive into the nuance of how difficult it is. And uh, we always like to make this shout when we talk about referees. Guys, if, if you've got problems with any of our referees, uh, give us a reminder, Alex, what do they have to do? Yeah, to get involved themselves? Yeah, it's one 800 Sean fry <laughs> Don't ring. No, no, no. What do they have to do if they want to no, get, listen, get involved? Listen, for sure. I mean, definitely get involved. Go to the Football West website. Uh, under referees, there's courses uh, nearly every second week. So definitely, even if it, if it means that you're, you're not going to referee, but you get a better understanding of the game, um, it, it's definitely worthwhile. There's certainly a few people out there in Perth football that need a better understanding of the rules. Laws. Laws of the game, of course. Uh, we will be back to talk... Uh, about some uh, boys and girls that have uh, stepped on the wrong side of the law over the weekend, our, our favourite naughty boys and naughty girls segment, and we'll discuss a little bit of European football action and a bit of laughing at Everton after this. And welcome back to the Perth Football Podcast, part three. Uh, we've got a couple of our favourite segments got mail. coming up, including mail. We love the mailbag. We did get uh, another review, a lovely review in from a hashtag PT Brad, who we believe may be a coach up in the north somewhere, uh, Producer Kalichi, is that correct? Uh, he said, five stars, great work, lads, but let's have a big exposure for the State League. Lots of NPL teams coming up against some solid State League sides in the Australia Cup. Football. Uh, praise emoji. Praise emoji? Praise emoji. Praise okay. emoji. This is why we got Nigel in here. He can tell us what the emojis are called. <laughs> Uh, look, we do want to uh, spread the word for everyone. All the football in Perth, uh, it is important to us. Uh, but, you know, as we mentioned, we're all busy, uh, young, Alex. Young. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm 43, 34. Depends yeah. if you look at it, still that's old. Still, <laughs> well, okay. Well, that's making me feel old. But we're all reasonably young, busy men, so we don't have time to get around to every game. Uh, but if you want to come and tell us who all the big state league teams are and where all those cup sets are coming. We would love to have you on the phone, uh, Brad, even if it's just for five or ten minutes, whenever you can spare it. So get in touch with the Perth Football Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram. You can send us a message. That goes for any of you out there as well. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. But I think uh, in terms of State League experience here, the only uh, real man in the room that's, that's seen a bit of it is probably you, Alex. You've done a bit of refereeing. Um, who are the uh, who are the standouts? Well, the standout would have been, for me, would have been Olympic, but they already received a, an upset losing to Gosnells. Um, but the ones coming up, I can see Western Knights, um, who beat Freeman on the last round. Good opportunity for them to, to progress as well. Um, but yeah, for me, out of those state league clubs still there, it would definitely be them. Yeah, the other ones as well is Mum FC, um, Tucky Nico, or Nicolathes, depends on, on how you want me to pronounce it. Um, don't ask me. Ask him. <laughs> um, definitely would be, you know, mum, mum are looking really, really strong. They've got some side. They've got some side at the moment. And, and it's actually good to see them in Divi 1. But they'll also be there for the Australian Cup. And, and, and realistically, they're playing for a quarterfinal spot, which is which is a really good opportunity for these teams now. Um, yeah, and, I mean, you've got Quinns, another team that, that are looking good too. 
Josh? State, State League's been on for a couple of weeks. It's pretty interesting already, and we've seen some topsy-turvy results. Uh, I think Sterling Macedonia were really a clear standout last year in State League Division 1, but it's kind of hard to work out who's going to come out from there this year. One of the weirdest ones, Subiaco so far, a 5-1 loss in the Australia Cup to Rockingham, a 5-1 win against Dianella in the first round of State League Division 1, and then a 4-0 loss against Olympic Kingsway. What a strange set of events. Fistfuls of goals. Fistfuls of goals. Well, from fistfuls of goals, let's go to fistfuls of cards because it's time for... Or girl. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy or girl. We've got our first naughty girl of the season. And as we mentioned, it was uh, Misha Anderson for the NTC getting a second yellow. Did any of you see this one? Yeah, I did. And um, I've let the referee know he's an absolute bully. Uh, well, to, to he is, like, isn't he? He's horrid. Dave Averson. Dave Averson. Come on, mate. Absolute <laughs> disgrace. <laughs> that being said, it was a second yellow in it. Yeah, it was probably. fine. It was fine. <laughs> it, the decision was right. And, and it, as he said to me, he goes, as much as you hate doing it, I had to, and I was being assessed. There was no chance I was getting away with it. And it's, so. yeah, and, but what I, what I love to see was the apology. As soon as she did it, yeah. apology to the player, and then as soon as she had the whistle, apology to David. Yeah, off she went. Does that not yeah. get you out of it? Come on, David. She said sorry. Yeah, you know she's done wrong. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't help him. Um, but, uh, yeah, two yellows, it, there's not much else you, you can do. You tell us, if, if a player instantly says, whoops, whoops, sorry. Depends on the player. Okay. <laughs> Can, can I can I just say? <laughs> Only kidding. That's really bad. No, no. Listen, it's it's one of those things. Especially when it's a second yellow, you just go, oh, yeah. Just say, listen. And a quiet word would be, mate. You're just treading really, really thin ice. But yeah, if it, it's probably another discussion, yeah. depending who's there. But yeah, in terms of that, yeah, absolutely doesn't get you. Out uh, of it. And as well as before, we just uh, cross over to you, Josh. We had we mentioned it before, but Poppy Hooks, uh, she had a real naughty girl moment. It was only a yellow. Uh, but she's she's put herself up in the race uh, because she had, a, I think, an incident. Stephen Knight is one of the nicest guys. Oh, in Absolute in, gentleman. Absolutely loves Stephen, yeah. and he's, he's such a great guy to uh, to talk to at any time. Um, and on this occasion, Poppy, you've, you've done it against one of my favourite referees. He's given a free kick. Maybe it was a 50-50, could go either way. And then she's looked straight at him and just booted the ball away. No excuse for that one. Very naughty. Nah, yellow yeah, card all just... day. Trying to take the piss, really. That's all that is. Josh, sorry, I so rudely uh, cut into you, uh, cut into your time there before Alex, because I was really excited to make this point. But I was ridiculed, ridiculed last week for saying I thought Hyundai NTC had a shot at being naughtiest team. Look at that ladder right now. I didn't ridicule you at all, mate. Look at that ladder right now, and just like Kalichi with his Daryl Nickel pick, I'm asking. I am asking Sportsbet to pay me out already. <laughs> after after <laughs> one that, red, not that cut. we promote that. No, 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 not at all. Well, uh, in terms of the men's and the, well, the naughty boys. Uh, obviously, we had the Jacob Muir red card. That's thrown him up right up there with Declan Hargraves and Aidan Formston as the uh, three red cards, which keeps us up at one a week. Very rare you get an NPL weekend without a red card, uh, even when we're having half the games cancelled with, I think with top, COVID. I think now the top is the coach because he's been, from my understanding, <laughs> been cautioned in two 18s games and a red. So That's incredible. Oh, listen... It is what it is. It's it's a frustrating game, and and yeah, it's it's when you expect the best from your players, and, and it yeah. does get frustrating. That's a, that's a, you where you are uh, being more diplomatic than uh, our Tommy, own Tommy, Tommy Dolman. Dolman there. <laughs> you, you know, you know, it's players some lesson. Players might not get the opportunity to to rack up that number of um that number of cards as well. Oh I, yeah, I don't know too many. Yeah, not, as many teams. not playing yeah. three or four games on a weekend potentially. No, massive effort there. We we won't talk too much more about that. Uh, we will move on. That's our mailbag. That's our naughtiest boy. Although we did get a very nice review from a lady uh, whose birthday it is. I mentioned it to you, Kel, my mum. She said that she loved the pod last week. And as a member of one of the first four teams in the newly established Albany League in the mid-70s, she's getting really excited that the women are getting this exposure. Uh, excited to hear that there's such a great talent pool of up-and-coming young Sam Kerrs of the future. Uh, and then she wants to know whether she would have got any points in the bad girl comp for kicking a goalkeeper in the nose, Alex. You're the expert. Is that usually a, a, a problem? Uh, you, you, no, no, it's okay. 
Yeah. It's your mum. I'm not going to give her a caution. Though. No, fair yeah. enough. It's her birthday as well. <laughs> she did say that the uh, the stub marks in the nose uh, made the ref have pity on her, and she she did get a yellow card. So yeah. there you go. Would only be one point in the Naughty Girl competition, but there we are. Uh, we will move on just after this. A quick word from our sponsors and our competition winner from last week, and then we'll dive into a bit of European action. And as I already mentioned, we're going to laugh at Everton. And just before we get into part four and all that European action, uh, we want to. Thank you to our sponsors, uh, Physio for All and Mind Body Lounge. As promised last week, we have a winner. Unfortunately, Felici, you forgot to put up the link that you were supposed to share. Uh, but we decided to go with giveaway prize anyway to uh, the person that uh, interacted with the page most. The most impressions, comments, likes, and that was uh, Rosalie Stonehill Zoomatch. Thank you so much, Rosalie, for everything you do, not just for us, but for spreading the word about the women's game in particular and, and football in general in Perth. Obviously, this is the mum of the injured Tia Stonehill, who we again send our uh, best wishes to in, in your recovery. Um, but, Rosalie, you've won yourself uh, either a cryotherapy treatment here at the Mind Body Lounge or a free initial consult down at Physio for All. Uh, just send us a message to the Perth Football Podcast, Facebook, uh, Instagram, however you want to do that, and uh, tell us your preference, and we'll sort that out for you. For anyone else, Kalichi promises me. He will be putting out a post for you to share to win, again, uh, a free cryotherapy treatment. They're bloody good. You, you walk out feeling like a completely new person uh, or a physio for all treatment and the same thing. Uh, Kalichi, I know you've uh, had a few of those. And, and how, how, again, give us the update. How are you going? Going real well. Uh, back to training this week. Had a bit of a run out this morning at the football centre. Did a quick fitness session. So should be up and running and hopefully gaining fitness and I won't be able to play this weekend when the season kicks off, but hopefully after that I can uh, get some minutes. And all of the thanks for that goes down to Physio for All, Maddie down there in Oakford, doing a sterling job with you as I smack you with my uh, headphone cables there. We'll be back with part four. Congratulations, Rosalie. And if you want to win yourself a free uh, treatment, then yeah, like, share, and don't forget, subscribe, rate, send us those reviews. We love hearing them as well. We'll be back in a sec. And welcome back to the fourth and final part of the Perth Football Podcast. We're here to talk a quick bit about European action. Guys, jump in at any stage if there's any games that you wanted to talk about. Uh, we did mention uh, earlier on there was a bumper crowd for the Barcelona women's game. I think we mentioned that, but a record crowd, 91,500 and something, which just goes along with our view of women's football. If you build it, they will come. But, geez, what a, what a spectacle and what a, what a moment for both of those. Producer Kel, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, mate, we've talked about this before and, and many times where people forget that the idea of women's football hasn't necessarily been built up the way that it should have been. And you can look at so many countries that will give you an example of what, what happens when you put an infrastructure in place. Barcelona have pumped money into the sport and they're seeing and reaping the rewards right now. Their team is on a huge undefeated run. And when you think about it, the work that they're doing is superb. You think about America and the talent that they've got there, and they're able to get there because they've got the infrastructure, the coaching, the talent, and the desire. And, and honestly, if we can do that here in Australia, we can do that here in WA, I can see that happening for us as well. 91,000, though. That is incredible. What's the biggest crowd you played in front of, Alex? My one was just under 20. People? Just under 20 people. No, no, just under 20K. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah, it was good. Uh, pretty decent. Yeah, Nigel? I'll say about 200 in Malaysia. Okay. Yeah. Josh? Uh, maybe 300, 400 for a golf fields challenge game, which Kalichi will know all about. Yeah, well, I was... You, the, the earlier uh, joke that I made about 20 people, that probably was my biggest crowd for, for Crick over your first team. Um, out at Swan United, scored my only goal uh, there and then got dropped the next week. So, But that's worse because then you can hear every single comment that's made. Uh, yeah, and I did. I did. Uh, let, let's move on to the rest of the European action. There is a huge, huge week coming up, uh, particularly if you're looking at the top top teams in the world. Your uh, Liverpools, your Manchester Cities, a couple of uh, Champions League games either side of the biggest game of the season. This is the one... That everyone's saying uh, will decide the league. I wouldn't be too surprised to see, uh, say, a draw and then some drop points somewhere else toss teams. I think, uh, I mean, I know Liverpool have got some tricky games coming up. I, I did think of Arsenal there. And then when I went to say it, I thought, hang on, we've, we've turned them over pretty comfortably, uh, reason, reasonably regularly in the past. But any game, as, as Crystal Palace last week, they showed us that any team can take points off of uh, the, the top team. 
Nigel, I know this is one that you are really looking forward to. What are, you, what are your thoughts on, on the big, big clash that the Eddie had? Oh, if you ask me, man, this is the game. Whoever wins this game gets that title. But being a Liverpool supporter, I'm going to say it right now. I'll say it again. Liverpool win 3-1 winners. Mo okay. Salah for two goals. Mo Salah for one. Oh, that's a big call. Okay, and where's, where, where's mm. the edge? Where is the edge for Liverpool? Because I, I, and oh, it's it's one of those games that just comes down to moments and and either moments of brilliance or mistakes. But I think uh, Diaz being out is 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 big for City. Liverpool pretty full strength. If if there's going to be a time to do it, it's, it's going to be where, where where do they find the edge? What what's the what's the part of the pitch where they can can get it over? I on think City? it's just the Liverpool mentality, man. Don't get me wrong, Man City is a very top side. They're coached by the best manager in world football, but Liverpool's passion, in my opinion, is just nah. They they will get the job done. Any thoughts from the other side of the table on that one? Uh, well, I'm a West Ham fan. We're on the same side of the table, but I guess physically in the room, different side of the table. Um. My uh, just just I, has has to jump in and say West Ham are in the top half of the table, doesn't he? We're still there. We're still there. <laughs> I, I I honestly I just felt Manchester City are just Manchester City are just so much more comfortable. Uh, I I I see them as so much more comfortable. So much more. I, I know they've had a What's few. I know I know that I know they've had a few stumbles of late, but I think they're a team that can just control a game when they want to. Big game coming up. I think it's. Normally, these games, Manchester City are just able to control the tempo of it and, and get out of there. Well, from one Manchester team to another, the, another game that was kind of near the top of the table, Manchester United, Leicester. Alex, as a Manchester United fan, how much of this did you catch? I caught, I think, about 14 minutes, and I had my best sleep since uh, Sound of Music. <laughs> Honestly, it was horrid. Well, let's uh, hold up there, though. Sound of Music, what, yeah, not your thing. I do like it, but it, when you watch it 153 times now, okay. you, you do get a good sleep. In. <laughs> but um, yeah, in terms of the, the City Liverpool game, I don't care because yeah, I don't like it's it. Not either. good for you either. Either way that I say, it's not great. <laughs> so I'm not gonna. I'll try not comment on it. But uh, talk about it differently. I will talk about. You know, in all honesty, I, I think I think City will will come strong um, because uh, I, I, yeah. I think Nigel's jinxing by putting a score and goal scorers on it. So I think we're <laughs> we're in all sorts here. Yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go City. I'm going to go City. Okay. Well, I'll obviously, I'll, I'll go Liverpool as well. Uh, just to split the room, the two Liverpool fans are going with Liverpool and the two non-Liverpool fans are going with City. So, yeah, our bias is just shining through there. Uh, another, any other leagues around the world? You watched a game from I did. the Squash League. What, what a game. And, and to be fair, Aussie oh, Ange, so. with Aussie Ange, it wasn't bad though. Um, Aussie Ange, uh, he's, uh, he's taken Celtic now six points. In front of Rangers, and um, like I just said previously, it's it's for them to lose uh, the league. But one thing I will will bring up, which was probably one of the worst things I've seen for a while, was second half was delayed by about ten to twelve minutes as broken bottles were thrown in the goal mouth of of Celtic. Um, so they've had to come in clear broken glass where Joe Hart where Hart was standing, wanting to keep, and there's all broken bottles there. So. Yeah, we talk about old school. I think just that's come back. It, it's it? it's yeah. dumb. It's, just, it's stupid. It's, it's yeah. If, if you think this, how like, people do that. We're, we're standing in a room, uh, spending our Monday nights talking about grown men kicking a ball of air around. Yeah. So we're as we're as stupid as anyone. We we understand yeah. the yeah. game, but my goodness, when you, when you yeah. come to just violence and yeah, it's like, horrid. Just, just to see someone hurt themselves like that, yeah. who who are there to entertain you. No. Um, yeah, it, it, it's horrible. It's pathetic. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, and we're not going to stop this until, uh, as promised, I want to get in a bit of chat about Everton. Uh, your boys had a win against them, Josh. Go, let's go through this one. Yeah, very excited to see Jared Bowen uh, back on the pitch as well. Long injury. Oh, good, isn't he? He is such a sensational player. He's so strong on the ball. And he doesn't look like a player who's that tricky, but his ability to turn on a dime, to go both ways, he'll stay on his left foot the entire time and you just won't touch him. He's really strong on the ball, really deadly in front of goals this year. He's refound the goal-scoring form he had in the championship with Hull, scored the winner against Everton the other night. West Ham helped out by a very, very silly second yellow card. That, from, uh, that man, Michael Keane, is one of the worst Premier League defenders going. I don't know how he's still in that... Oh, if, if I made myself unavailable for most of the time I was at work, and if I performed my job as badly as that man does, I wouldn't have a job. How does he get away with it? That that challenge was atrocious. Um, anybody it's, it's going... He's passing the ball into his own net one week. He's getting a red card the terrible. next week. Just absolutely sixes and sevens. He's played for England as well. Yeah, there's a few players yeah, that have played well, for England recently uh, that... 
Yeah. yeah. Spe- Maybe speaking about be. speaking about Manchester United. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know my feelings on that. One. Well, you know, to be fair, to, to he did we, play we well for England, even, though. We haven't even mentioned his name, and everyone knows who we're talking yeah, about. We um, but but no, Harry's uh, he's not been great for Man United. He's been fine for England. Yeah. Long may that continue, in, in my opinion. Uh, th- any more for any more? Anything else we want to talk about from the world of football this week? I, I just want to put a shout out, actually, and I'm not well, it's A League, but to um a That's local the world player, of football, absolutely. Mate. Uh, Giordano Colley scoring his first goal and uh, and big bad Trent up front as well. Uh, lovely, ki- lovely kid as well. Ki- oh, G Colley he's a gentleman of the game. His dad's a gentleman of the game and, and what a player he was. And then to have a grandfather that's played for Manchester United as well, it's football blood and, and it's really, really good to see him strive and hopefully, fingers crossed, gets another contract at glory. If not, I, I know there are other clubs asking now. We, we did mention my uh, fashion feud with uh, the WA football memes at, at the start oh. of the podcast. Any word on Geo Colley's fashion sense? I tell you what, he's got. If, if this is what the kids yeah. are wearing these days, no wonder I'm out of He time. is an absolute legend for dress. I will say his dad was almost as bad back in the day, too, because <laughs> I remember playing against him. He had hair down to his backside, it was out of control. But when you have G Colley wearing a George Michael earring, it's magnificent. It's, up it's the very, match I mean, you might know something about this, Nodge. I think it's called peacocking. Is that, <laughs> is that your style? Well, that's the style these days. Yeah, you've, it's. Oh. it's so what we're talking about, if then anyone hasn't just bumped into Geo, it's matching Adidas top uh, and bottom tracks. If you can get away with it, mate, absolutely. Bright good luck red to with, the boy. The, with black stripes yeah. and the white hair, I, I just absolute wouldn't have legend. the confidence. And, uh, and obviously, well that confidence is paying off because he's, uh, uh, yeah. I'll well, tell you what, not only a great player, but a great kid as well. Really, yeah, really is. It's always so lovely to yep. talk about. So I just had to, to, to dig into you a bit, Jer, because I, I got ripped on today. And like producer Kaliji next to me, I'm, I'm quite defensive. Uh, occasionally, um, but thank you all for joining us, tuning in to the Perth Football Podcast. Josh, did you have one more thing to say before we uh, duck off? We've spoken about some fantastic goals today, but I think we may have missed the best oh one my goodness, of the weekend. We forgot, we forgot the East Perth Kelmscott, the Amateur Cup Final. Jump on our Facebook page. Uh, we have an interview with uh, Mehdi, who scored the uh, goal of the season so far. He's and and the the best part about it was in the interview. Uh, we'll let you listen, but he just said, "Oh, I thought the easiest thing was to just put it in the goals." That's that's what you talk about confidence. There it is. <laughs> what a goal! Well, East Perth ran out uh, two 0 winners on the day. Uh, Kalich and I did the commentary. Very good performance from them. Uh, Con Costello uh, sent me a, a nice message, coach of uh, East Perth, afterwards to say thanks for the job. So, Con, if you're listening, yeah, you are more than welcome. We love this game. Uh, we love all of you. And if you love us, jump on the Facebook, jump on the Instagram. Jump on wherever you get your podcasts. Like, like and share. Like, rate, subscribe, share, let everyone know. And don't just do that. Send us a message if you want to be on. If you've got some stories, local football, we want to hear from you. PT Brad, I'm looking your way. Josh Chiat, what a pleasure having you in the studio once again. Absolutely fantastic to be here and so glad that we got a little bump in for the amateur leagues at the end. Oh, we love to do it. Alex Novatsis. Mate, what a way to start the week, standing right next to you and uh, Kalichi Knight and, and young Josh next to me. So thank you. Perfect Monday. And Nigel. Always a honour, boys. Thank you as always. Producer Kalichi, thank you for being here. You've been wonderful as always. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. See ya. Goodbye. No insects.